When I think about walking by faith and living by faith, I think that I've probably told people, and I know I've had it to- told to me, that you know, if you walk by faith, your life is, is better, right? Your life is better than if you don't. If you live for God and you do what God wants you to do, then your life is better. I'm sure as a parent, I've probably sort of given my kids that impression, and it's true, right? It's true. Your life is better when you live by faith in God than, than not. But sometimes, what do we mean by better? Sometimes I think we mean your life will be more comfortable, right? You'll, you'll be more successful. Things will go better for you. And sometimes that's true, right? Sometimes you live by faith and you walk by faith and things are easier than they would be if we kind of just did whatever we felt like doing rather than living uh, for God. But sometimes that's not the case, is it? Sometimes living by faith, you still end up in a mess, right? Sometimes life is messy. Sometimes family is messy. Sometimes our situation is messy, even if we walk by faith. Here's what I want us to focus on tonight, that living by faith might not help you avoid the mess, but it will help you get through the mess, right? It might not help you avoid the mess. You still may end up in a mess. You might have been born in a mess, like the guy we're going to talk about tonight, but you may have to go through some pretty messy times but faith will help you get through the mess. Why? Well, for two reasons. One is because God is walking with you through the mess and the promises of God, that's what gets us through the mess, is God walking with us through it and knowing that the promises of God are on the other side of the mess. Now, Isaac, as we were talking about, Isaac was born into a messy family, a family of promise, a family of faith, uh, but a very messy family. You may think you have a messy family. You have a messy family? Maybe, maybe people lie to each other in your family. Maybe people get mad at each other in your family. I know that happens sometimes in my family. Maybe, maybe people let each other down in your family. Maybe people, you know, disappoint each other or even stab each other in the back in your family. But, No matter how messy you are, I want to tell you a few things about Isaac's family, and you probably know most of them already. Number one, he, when Isaac was born, his dad was old. Okay, now I know all of you kids, you think your dad is old, right? But no, no, no. I mean, Isaac's dad was super old. He was 100 years old when Isaac was born. I was just thinking about that. I mean, how much catch do you think Isaac and Abraham played, right? I mean, probably not very much, right? Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac uh, was born. Uh, Isaac had a stepbrother, but mom and dad kicked the stepbrother out of the family. So that was kind of a, a whole big thing. Uh, Isaac and Abraham went on a camping trip to the mountains one time. That's a picture of their camping trip when dad almost uh, killed him. Uh, and then when Isaac was older... And it was time for Isaac to get a wife. Dad sends one of the servants uh, back home to find a wife for Isaac back home. And he finds a wife for Isaac and he brings Rebecca back back to, to Isaac. And I could just imagine the conversation that Isaac and the servant had. I found you a wife. Good, you found me a wife. Is she pretty? No, wait, wait. I want to tell you how I found her. But is she pretty? No, no, no. Listen, when I saw her, I knew she was the one for you, Isaac. 
Because she's so pretty? No, 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 listen. I knew she was the one for you because she gave water to my camels. <laughs> that's how he picked his wife. It turns out she was pretty, but that's beside the point. So Isaac had all kinds of messy things. His dad lied. His dad made some bad choices. His, his mom made some bad choices. Sometimes they made some good choices, and even their good choices, like this event, got pretty scary and pretty uh, messy. But Isaac was a person who is listed with others in Hebrews chapter 11, in this hall of faith, we call it, as a person of faith. And I want us to think about Isaac's story. So look in your Bible. You got your Bible, Genesis chapter 25, and starting in verse 21. Genesis 25, 25. So Isaac has gone through all these things we talked about. He got married, and uh, now he's married. And it says, Isaac prayed to the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, what you can't tell just from that verse is that Isaac was 40 when he got married, and he was 60 when he had children. So... His wife was barren, couldn't have children, and he prayed and he waited and he prayed and he waited and he prayed and he waited for 20 years. See, and Isaac knew the promise that God had made to Abraham that through Isaac, there was going to be a nation of people, right? Isaac knew the promises that God made to Abraham that through your son, Isaac, there's going to be a whole nation of people. In fact, that like the stars in the sky, like the sand on the seashore, that's going to be your descendants. And I'm going to bless every nation of the world through your offspring. And then Isaac gets married to this lady, got brought home that watered the camels, and brought her, and now they're married, and she can't have children. For one year, two years, three years, four years, five, ten, twenty years, waited and prayed. And then finally, she conceived. And then it says in verse 22, it still gets messy, the children struggled together within her, and she said, if it is, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, I don't think they had, I'm pretty sure they didn't have ultrasounds back then, right? They didn't have ultrasounds. So all she knows is there's like a war going on inside of me, and I have no idea what's happening. I, I, I'm sure she thought she was going to die. The text tells us that it's because there's two babies in her womb that are fighting with each other. They're struggling with each other, which is a foreshadow of, of what's to come for those two children. Verse 23, And the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. Now, on the one hand, there's, there's good news, right? I mean, you're going to have two kids instead of just one. You're going to have two sons, and they're going to grow up, and they're going to be men, and there's going to be nations that come from these two. N- nations that come from your two sons. Whole nations that come from your two sons. But, unfortunately, they shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. So somehow, the younger is going to end up being uh, the head of the family, and the older one will end up serving him. So, verse 24, when her days to give birth were completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. The first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak, so they called his name Esau. Afterwards, 
His brother came out with his hand holding Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when she bore them. So it's hard to tell in English, but there's some sort of Hebrew plays on words here going on with both Esau's name and Jacob's name. But the short story is Jacob's name means cheater, right? He's a cheater because he comes out holding on to Esau's heel. And that's the kind of person he's going to grow up to be is a cheater. From the very beginning, from the moment they were conceived, they were fighting with each other fighting and struggling at war with each other, and one of them is a cheater, always fighting, and one of them will always be a cheater. Verse 27, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. Isaac, dad, right, dad, Isaac, loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. So again, Messy family? Yeah, messy family. The boys are always fighting with each other. And now one parent likes one of the twins and the other parent likes the other twin. Messy situation? Yeah. Can you, can you imagine what, what it was like going on in Isaac and Rebecca and Esau and Jacob's house? And the boys are always fighting. And, you know, one parent saying to the other, get your son. Tell your son to stop picking on him. Oh, he's always picking on my son. What do you mean? Jacob's not picking on Esau. It's Esau. Esau's always the one picking on Jacob. No, no, no. It's Jacob. He's a cheater. He's always, and it's just back and forth like this all of the time. And can you imagine what Isaac was thinking? when he thought back to the promises that God had made to his father that he knew were supposed to come true through him? God, are you serious? Look at these two boys. I love this one, but that one, hmm, not so much. But are you telling me that through these boys that are always fighting at each other's throats in this messy situation that all nations of mankind will be blessed through these two? Through one of these two, how in the world is that going to happen? I, I mean, we kind of have to stop for just a second, don't we? And think, I mean, do you ever feel that way? I mean, if you're in the midst of it, my little sister, one of my little sisters just got done having a baby and it's her first. And I told her, listen, when you, when you have your first and you're like not sleeping at night and you're just miserable, you think, you think to yourself, it's always going to be like this. Am I right? If you've had, if you've been there, you feel like, it's always going to be this way. I'm never going to sleep again. This is miserable. I, this is going to be my life from now on. But it's not. And time passes and kids get older and then the problems are just different, right? It's not the same problems. It's different problems. But when you're in the midst of a struggle, whatever that struggle is, if you're going through a storm, it feels like it's always going to be this way. There is no light at the end of the tunnel even when you have these promises. But but Isaac, as a man of faith, is somehow holding on to the promises of God that somehow, in this situation, with these two boys, God is not only going to create two nations out of these two sons of mine, but somehow, through my offspring, he's going to bless all nations of mankind. Now, look at Genesis 25 and verse 29. It gets even worse, believe it or not. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, and I just imagine, like, I almost read that, like, once when Jacob was cooking stew, like, let me give you one of the stories, right? Like, there's probably other stories that the Bible doesn't record, but here's one of them. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field, and he was exhausted. 
And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew, for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom, because it means red. Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. Esau said, I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me? So Esau comes in from the field. He's worn out. He's exhausted. And again, when you're hurting or you're hungry or you're tired, you feel like this is the end. This is never going to get any better. And when there's a way to relieve your pain, you're like, I don't care. I'll give you whatever you want. So he trades away his birthright for a bowl of stew. And of course, Jacob living up to his name as the cheater, Jacob said, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Now, don't you imagine that Isaac, dad, found out about this little transaction and what went on? How Jacob, the son, he didn't really care for as much as the other one, had tricked his older brother out of his birthright. And can you imagine the frustration and the anger that Isaac had? And again, the question of how, how, God, how are you going to fix this? And how are you going to work in this? And how are you going to redeem this? And how are you going to bring about your promises in the midst of all of this mess? I look at Genesis 26 and verse 3. God renews his promise. Not just his promise to Abraham, but now he gives that promise to Isaac. He says, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and will give to your offspring all these lands and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed because Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. It's it's good sometimes, isn't it, to get a reminder of the promises of God? For God to say, I haven't forgotten. I haven't forgotten. This situation isn't too messy for me. I can fix this. I can still, as messy as this is, as bad as it is that Jacob is a cheater, as bad as it is that Esau traded away his birthright for a bowl of stew, that wasn't too smart. You know, as, as, as bad as the situation may be, I promise you, I promise you, I haven't forgotten my promises. I will fix this. I will work in this. So when Isaac, and we probably know this story as well, look over at Genesis chapter 27, Isaac has gotten old, and he's old, and he's blind, and he, he's ready to pass this blessing that Abraham gave to him, and now Isaac is going to give to Esau, his oldest son, right? So he, he tells Esau, hey, I'm going to give you your blessing, the blessing that my father gave to me, the blessing that God gave to me, and now I'm going to bless you with this blessing, and I'm going to pass it on to you, so... Make me some of that food I like so much, right? That's why I like you, son. You know, that's why I like you. Go hunt for me. Go kill something. Bring it back. Make me some food. And I'm going to give you your blessing. Well, of course, Rebecca hears about what's going on. And she wants Jacob to get the blessing rather than Esau to get the blessing. And so she devises a a scheme and a trick to trick Isaac into giving the blessing to Jacob instead of Esau. So while Esau's away hunting, of course, she has uh, Jacob cook some food, get some goats. She cooks the food, then puts on 
Esau's clothing, put some fur, some skins on his arms and on his neck so that when dad feels the neck and feels the arm, he'll be tricked into thinking, well, this guy's hairy, so it must be my son, right? So, uh, so he gets all ready and takes the food in. Genesis chapter 27. And he's assuring Jacob. He's like, Dad, it really is me, Esau. You know, me, Esau, it really is me. Verse 27, so he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments, because he's wearing his brother's clothes, and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field and that the Lord has blessed. So may God give you of the dew of heaven and of the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. So he gives the blessing to Jacob and then as soon as Jacob hits the door, Esau walks in. What's going on? What just happened? And then dad says, wait, who are you? And he says, I'm Esau. You know, so you know the situation. He tricked him out of his blessing. And then Esau, of course, begs him, dad, I mean, you couldn't have given him all of the blessing, right? I mean, surely you got some blessing left for me. But think about everything that Isaac had just said to Jacob, thinking that it was Esau. Your brother and his people bow down to you and you're going to rule over your brother. (laughs) what do you say to brother now, right? And Isaac's like, I gave it to him, and it's done. It, it's irrevocable. I can't take it back. He, he has it. And so this is the only blessing that he can find for his favorite son. Verse 39, then Isaac, his father, answered and said to him, behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. Because he already gave all the fatness and all the dew and all the blessings to Jacob. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from around your neck. So that's as good as I can do, son. There's the blessing. But he he knows, though, that someday Esau's people, just like Jacob's people, will be a great nation. And he says, someday you'll get tired of them ruling over you, and you'll break the yoke that is around your neck. Now look at Genesis chapter 28. Now when, when Jacob, Isaac's son, Jacob, younger brother, cheater, goes out to find his wife, goes to his mother's people to find a wife. Isaac again gives Jacob a blessing, and he says, God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you that you may take possession of the land, your sojourners that God gave to Abraham. And then we read this in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 20 about the blessings that that Isaac gave both to Jacob and to Esau. The Hebrew writer says, By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. Now that's a short little statement. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. What does that have to do with faith? What is the fact that Isaac blessed his sons and said, God is going to do these things with you and through you. What does that have to do with faith? I I think we might could put it this way, that Isaac knew God's promises are bigger than family messes, right? Isaac knew that God's promises, that I'm going to bless your offspring, 
And they're going to be numerous, like the sand on the seashore, like the stars in the sky. And that I'm going to bless all nations of mankind through your offspring. Even though in the midst of it, as a 65-year-old man that was raising twin five-year-old boys that were always fighting with each other. Can you imagine, right? As a, as a 75-year-old man that was raising 15-year-old boys that were always fighting with each other. In the midst of all of that mess, in the midst of the war and the struggle that was going on in his house, in the midst of having a son that was a cheater and a son that admittedly wasn't too bright, you know, I mean, in the midst of all of that, Isaac knew God keeps his promises. God keeps his promises. God's promises are bigger than family messes. Now, I want us to think about that for two reasons. One, do you realize that you're the recipient of those promises, right? Because God's promise to bless all nations of mankind, that's us, right? God's promise to bless all nations of mankind through Isaac, rather through Isaac's offspring, was who? Jesus, right? And so you are the evidence, you sitting here right now, believing in Jesus, receiving the blessings of God, you are evidence that God's promises are bigger than family messes. I mean, read the book of Genesis. Every single family is a mess. Every situation, every person, every life is a mess, but all the way through, God keeps his promises. And the fact that you are a follower of Jesus is evidence that God's promises are bigger than family messes. But then those blessings continue to go on through you to the rest of the world, don't they? And sometimes you may wonder, how is this going to work out? My kids, my grandkids, me, the things I've done, the messes that I've made, and the situations that we're in, and the conflict we're experiencing, how in the world is God going to bless anybody through us? How is God going to bless our neighbors? How is God going to bless the next generation through us? Here's, here's the exercise of faith, isn't it? That God can work in any situation. God can work in any person. God can work in any life. God can work in any family. And God's promises are bigger than family messes. And so sometimes it goes back to the song that we always sing, right? Trust and obey. Trust and obey. We walk by faith and not by sight. And even when things seem the darkest and we feel like this is never going to end, this is the way things are always going to be and everything is such a mess and I don't even know where to go from here, we take the next step by faith. And then the next step by faith. And the next step by faith. You don't have to worry about the end of the road. God's already made promises about the end of the road. Just because you're a person of faith doesn't mean you won't go through a mess. It doesn't mean you'll avoid the mess. But faith will help you get through the mess. Because God is walking with you. And on the other side of the mess are all of God's great and wonderful promises. God doesn't break his promises. God keeps his word. And so we know, we know, even in the midst 
of the darkest times and the messiest times and the most challenging times, the most frustrating times, God is a God of his word, and so we simply trust and obey. Let's pray. Most Holy Father, we, oh, we are so thankful. We're thankful that the stories in Scripture aren't sugar-coated and that we know that people that walked by faith and sometimes didn't walk by faith, they ended up in messes, but that through it all, you saw them through and you kept your promises. And Father, we are the recipient of those promises and we look forward to receiving even more promises. And Father, I'm sure that there are some of us tonight that are walking through a mess and we feel like our life is a mess. We feel like our family's a mess. We feel like the future is a mess. And Father, I just ask that you strengthen us in our innermost being, that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that we may have the strength to trust you, that your promises are bigger than our messes. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.